0: Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is January 5th. Make sure I get this right. 2023. And we are continuing on our journey as a church body with our New Year's Eve direction to set out. Everybody say set out. Set, set out. out. Well, to set out requires, first, the casting aside of all of your self-determined expectations. Mm. Oh, that's true. It also includes keeping our eyes fixed on the cloud of God's presence, where it resides and where it is moving. It also requires listening with our ears for the silver trumpets to sound and daily keeping in step with the leading of the Spirit. So let me put some things together. Our history as a church, it's given us solid evidence that His good Spirit has never failed to teach us how to do the will of God. Also, He has never failed to lead us on level ground, just as Psalm 143 verse 10 says. So with Jesus as our head and His Spirit leading us, the body of believers here can be more confident than ever that nothing takes our God by surprise. Nothing takes Him by surprise. These uh, unplanned, unexpected events that happen throughout our day, you know what they are? They're opportune moments to align our expectations with his. In addition to that, it's our opportune moment to make the most of each event as he leads us to. So uh, raise your hand if you traveled to la- last uh, One Association Conference in Gatlinburg. Okay. Okay. So you guys are very well acquainted with the preparation required to go on a long-distance journey. I mean, you went, you went to Kroger's, H-E-B, Sam's, and you just loaded up. You probably had more
1: snacks than you did have luggage if you were like us. <laughs> if you're like us, you buy the snacks and you still stop at the, at the convenience <laughs> store and get snacks on the way. Oh, there's nothing to eat in these
0: 18 bags of snacks. Well, we want you to focus on something tonight. And that's focusing on what you routinely do on a daily basis here at home and what it means to set out locally every day. So what do you typically do before you walk out the door to head to work? Get dressed. Yes, that's a very important <laughs> item. Yeah. Things would be rather awkward in your job if you were not dressed.
1: Good answer, Miss Treester. Thank you.
0: So before you journey to go to work, to go to the store, or to run errands, just think about it, right? First thing you got to have in your hand and then put in your pocket, if you're a guy, purse, if you're a girl, keys, right? You find out real quick what happens whenever you set out on your daily task. You don't have your keys. You get in your car and you're like, ah, uh, i got to go back inside. Well, that's one aspect because you can never get out of the driveway. But in addition to your keys, that other thing Wallet. Now, that's a little bit different of a story. You can journey down the road, and it can be where from one mile to ten miles, you forgot your wallet. What do you have to do? Turn, turn around and go back and get your wallet. Because, call your, call yes. your kid or your yes. wife is really what happens. Call yeah. your nearest loved one, child, or friend. Come bring it to you or try to use Apple Pay, and it doesn't work whenever you get there. In addition to that, you got to have your, your gun. No, no. I mean, yes. (laughs) Hi, Texas. Definitely. Yes. America. Have your gun. America. Especially if you live in Mission Bend. Have your gun. Your phone. Right? Good answer. Because that, that's some of the predic- predicaments we've been in, is that you have your keys, you have your wallet, but you don't have your phone, so there's no one to actually call to bring you your phone. Your phone's uh, at home. Now, the most important thing, in addition to all these items, including gun, <laughs> stones, exactly. The brother nailed it. So, just think about that, that moment, that, that day, maybe today or yesterday where you're delayed by forgetting one or more of these items. Well, that in itself is a quandary. But look at the sequence of what begins to happen. You're frustrated that you're now running out of time to get to your planned destination based on your schedule. And I use frustration in quotation marks, right? Frustration. Well, that results in something like you're acting a little bit less than a saint as you travel through traffic. Right, The Lord knows all those things that you say in the confines of your cabin, of your car. And then by the time you reach your destination, you arrive in a state that is not exactly, exactly shalom. As hard as you're trying to put a smile on your face, just all of the angst is coming through every wrinkle on your forehead and face. Things are not just going as planned. And this is at, what, like 7, 30, 8 o'clock in the morning or any variation of time of the day. In these moments, you want to know what to do? No, no, it's a question. Do you want to know what to do? Okay. We lift up our heads and hearts to the moving of his cloud. What is God doing in the midst of what seems to be these obstacles and difficulties? we then turn our attitude towards thanksgiving that our God actually hasn't forsaken us in that moment. That my day is not going down to the depths of despair because I forgot my phone, wallet, keys, stones, or whatever else it is. The reality is that his presence is still with us in those moments. And he will reveal to us the very purpose of this unplanned event if we submit our expectations right then and there to his lordship. Just putting the brakes on it. Say, why all this angst? Why all this frustration? Surely God is in my midst. And he is the one that has led me up to this point, leading me now, will lead me in the future. Having a heart that is prepared to be led by his spirit will ensure that your expectations result in the demonstration of his wisdom and his power that comes by his spirit. It's an opportune moment for the spirit of God to do something supernatural because it has broken the boundaries of your own expectations.
1: Come on church to be able to understand and trust in the fact that God is actually at work in your life. Is anybody embarrassed about how uh, oftentimes in the middle of a day you're frustrated at something? Is anybody even aware of that fact? See, what God is doing is he's helping us as a church to actually mature and to be able to set out in the kind of ways that he is determining for us to do so. This is going to be an incredible time. Let's look together at Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to look at verses 5 and 6 together. Look at how beautiful this says. I'm going to read it to you from the ESV. It says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. What would that necessitate? That you already know how to walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Making the best use of the time let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each and every person. So let's just take a look at this passage just for a second. We're going to walk in wisdom. Somebody say walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. God is causing us to set out as a church, and the way that we are setting out is that we're going to walk. We're going to In the Hebrew, that term is a halakha. You're going to be walking according to the wisdom that comes from the Word of God. He's granted this to us, and now we get a chance to actually walk in it. Boy, isn't that a great part of what God is doing here in this church? He's not just giving us information. He's causing us to be able to walk in the application. Come on, isn't that right, Ethan Reyesor? Learning how to walk in the actual application of what it's like to be a real man of God. This is what God is starting us off on in this year. And we know that we're not just talking about the next 12 months. We know that in the next season that God has for us, this is the way that it's going to go. Why? Because we want to make the best use of time. Now, I could be pretty good at wasting time. But I can also get frustrated when time isn't being used efficiently. my patience wears thin, my wisdom leaves me. But here, when we're walking in this kind of wisdom, we're going to make the best use of time. I hope that there's a sense of urgency that you're starting to get in your heart, a sense of excitement about what God is doing in our midst. I'm looking at different ones of you, and I'm realizing that in the years that are to come, this household, this family is going to look very different. We're going to have many, many other faces. I see some visitors here tonight, but we're also going to have people who are setting out now and they're going to be able to do exactly what God has for them to do across the world in any nation with any people group. God is going to cause us. See, it's one thing if you knew that in three months that you were going to do something. It's one thing that in three weeks you know that this is coming. Three days from now you get to do this. But what happens if you don't know the exact time and you have to continually look to the cloud, look to what God is doing so that you can see when you need to set out? It starts putting an expectation in you. Man, i got to make the best use of this day right here. I, I don't know what's going to come tomorrow. All I have is I know that God is with me today and I will keep looking to him. We're going to have our speech gracious, seasoned with salt. We're going to have some salty speech up in here. Boy, doesn't it sound different if I just say it that way? Our our speech, seasoned with salt. How appetizing that sounds. How about we have some salty speech that is completely integrated with the Word of God, that you're not adding a scripture to what you're saying later on because you kind of realize that it related, but you are starting with the thought of what the Word says before you even formulate something out of your mouth. That'll make you salty when you're talking. That'll make something happen so that you can know how you ought to answer every single person. Now, turn with us to the book of Numbers. We're going to hang out in the book of Numbers tonight. Boy, that's exciting, isn't it? We're going to hang out in the book of Numbers. Man. Man. That's your favorite book, Cass? Book of Numbers. Amen. Now, I know that none of us have ever thought this, but if you just thought about that title, that sounds like some ancient torture device. We're going to study the book of Numbers. Yeah, I'm a nerd, and I still, I still, that still doesn't sound exciting. But we know that the Jews had a better name for this than the book of Numbers. They called it Biminbar, in the desert. See, they're telling a story of a journey that they're on, and it matters. The reason that the numbers are there was so you knew the people that were traveling with them and the stages of their journey that they were on. That's a very, hey, we're going to tell you about our summer vacation, We're going to tell you about the travels that we've been on and the excitement and the adventures that we've been on. That's a very different kind of story, and that's what the book of Numbers really is. We're looking at them setting out on a singular journey. Somebody say singular journey.
0: Singular journey.
1: Just with a lot of stages that are involved. When you go from here to Tennessee, there are a lot of stages. Some planned. Most in our caravan were unplanned. Calling each other. We have another bathroom break that we need to do. We just, we were, we got in the car 22 minutes ago. We have 15 hours. Can we go any No, we've got to stop. Great. Amen. See, this is not about bathroom breaks and, and getting some snacks. This is about the people of God making it into the promised land where God intended for them to be. But he didn't lead them on a straight journey. He led them on a path that had a lot of stops, a lot of stages, and a lot of events that were going on. And that's what the book of Numbers is about. As a matter of fact, Bamidbar, or the book of Numbers, literally begins on the same day that the book of Exodus concludes. The actual same day. Let's, let's go to Exodus 40. I told you to go to Numbers, but we're going to look at Exodus 40 real quick. And you're going to see exactly what this is. As you're turning, say set out.
0: Set out. We're we'll going to pick up in verse 34. Joe, you there? Okay, amen. Yeah, kind
1: of. Okay, okay, there are two mistakes on that one. One, it was, yeah. Two, it was, yeah. But it's okay because Joe's going to get it. Here. Joe, come get my Bible. Seriously, come get it. Don't be looking at your phone. It was be good an actual man you. of God. Use my Bible. That means if I need to read something out of it, I'm just going to call you up here on stage to do it. I was somewhat comforted when he turned
0: his phone around and actually saw you know, his Bible app program and that it's not like ChristianMingle.com. You already have everything you need, brother. Okay, so let's, let's rewind like, you know, 15 seconds ago. Joe, are you there? Are you turning there? Yeah. Ah! Now we can begin. Verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. So what is directly interlinked is that setting out is in direct connection with the moving of God's presence. And it's for the purpose of making a journey. Another way to say it's for the purpose of going on a mission, being set out on a mission. Who in here likes to know what purpose your daily activities are serving? Right? Without purpose, everything is rather futile and aimless. But don't we know the character of our God that nothing that he does is futile? Nothing that he does is aimless. It always has a purpose and a mission. And that our obedience to the moving of his presence guarantees that we're going to always have a purpose and therefore always have a task and a mission to accomplish. So what we're learning in looking in Exodus 40 is how to enter into the presence of God and immediately and permanently attaching to the setting out on journeys and mission that God has
1: in store. If you heard what Pastor Matt just said, you understood, you're going to understand how deeply important this is. You finding and getting into the presence of God, God's word attaches that to you then moving out, setting out and accomplishing something in a journey that he has for you. On the day that the tabernacle was set up at the end of the book of Exodus, here in this passage, you see that the spirit of God came down and then it immediately begins to speak about the journeys that the people of God were to take. Having the presence of God and moving out, setting out into what he has for you are not separate things. No wonder most of the Christian world has proved to be so ineffective. If they do have the presence of God, what is the perspective? I will have the presence of God because I want to feel better. No, we have learned to get into the presence of God. Why? So that we can set out and do exactly what he's called us to do. This is, in fact, a prerequisite. It must be the first step. God must come down and move in our lives. And then we follow because he doesn't stay still and neither can we. We can say settled in our heart, but we've got to set out into what he's called us to do. Now, go back to the book of Numbers. We're going to take a look at Numbers 9. As you're turning to Numbers 9, Again. The book of Bamidbar in the desert is what we would call the book of Numbers. And chapters 1 through 9 are explaining all the necessary components for them to be able to set out. The very first chapter is a census. They're finding out how many people are in that generation. The second chapter, they're beginning to learn how to encamp around the very presence of God. And on and on it goes, teaching the priests and the Levites what they must do. As this is walking through, by the way, we don't have time. We're already 18 minutes into this. We're not going to touch on this. But if you actually take a look at the first nine and ten chapters of the book of Numbers, and then you go back and you compare that with the last few years here at LCM, you're going to be blown away at how intricately our God leads us. Even as dumb Gentiles, he leads us in a way. Numbers chapter 2 is about them in camping. You know what that's also about? Having a family banner. It goes through the, the requirements of the priesthood. Actually, even before it gets to that, it starts talking about offerings to make sure that the tabernacle is taken care of. You know what that sounds just like? Our June sermon on beyond the obligatory. Then it gets to chapter, uh, chapter 8 where you're talking about the requirements of the priesthood and what a gift they are. You know what that's like? Never fearing the razor having the gift of pastors being added to this. And many of those guys are in in Europe right now being incredible ministers of the gospel. See, if you realize what God is doing, he's leading us through. Now let's take a look here in chapter nine. And the people of God are one year past getting out of Egypt, okay? Everybody say one year. year. They've made it one year out of Egypt and this is where they stand. Chapter nine, verse 15. On the day that the tabernacle was set up, the cloud covered the tabernacle. Which day are we talking about? The day that we just read about in Exodus 40, the tent of the testimony at the evening, it was over the tabernacle, like the appearance of fire until morning. So it was always, somebody say always, Always. the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. So Moses is now picking up the story exactly where the book of Exodus left off. Verse 17, and whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that, the people set out. Somebody say set out. out. And in the place where the clouds settled down, the people of Israel camped. You guys understand that the entirety of the point of the tabernacle was a place where God would come and meet, but he did not put it in a permanent structure at this point in history. He put it in a tent. He put it with the intention of moving it and moving it often. The tabernacle itself was designed, specifically designed so that it could be moved, so that it stayed flexible and mobile. What does that mean for the people of God? We have to stay flexible. Somebody say flexible. Flexible. Boy, isn't that just an exciting term for people, especially the more adult that you get? You're like, yeah, we get flexible. No, we're not flexible at all. I'm not even gonna pretend like I'm gonna bend over and touch my toes and show you that I'm, I can't, huh? We are not flexible people. We are not flexible because we want to keep things exactly the way that they are. This kind of a discussion about staying flexible to be ready to set out causes tension in people's hearts already. From Saturday evening till today, there are some of us in the room that are starting to get tense because they're like, wait, 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 I already know where I am. You mean that there's something else that I may have to add to my life? Yes. You mean there's something else that God might require of me to do and I may not know it enough ahead of time to feel like I can prepare the way that I want? Yes, you can count on that. You can take that to the bank. God is calling us to set out and that's the requirement of what's going on. We are not where we're going to end up. Thank you, Jesus. I intend to spend the rest of my life and die being a pastor here at LCM. But I'm still not where I'm going to end up in my spiritual walk with the Lord. No matter where you are now, this is not where you're intended to end up. And so you know what that should do? That should create an excitement. Instead of looking and be like, and letting the fear overwhelm you, what you should be doing is excited about the adventure that God has before you. You mean I don't have to know everything ahead of time so that I could prepare? No, you do not. You have to walk and follow. When the cloud begins to move, you begin to walk. That's how this works, and it puts you in such a better state because then life just gets fun. Hey, I had these three things on my agenda today, and then I got a call from Keith. Do you know what my day just looked like? I dumped everything else that I had well, you're a pastor, and that was a serious situation. No, that was just where the cloud was moving in that moment. How many, how much better would we do, church, if you trusted God's movement more than you trusted your daily planner? Oh, dang. How much better would we do if we just trusted him that when we set out that he would, he's already given us what we need? that we already have what we need because God has assigned to us our places, our posts, our duties, and our stations. We can be excited as we have a daily expectation that he's moving and we're just going to follow him by setting out.
0: So in thinking about this, about being joyfully flexible, I mean, I would ask Pastor Wade to do a split right now, but oh, that may not result in joy. But think of the benefit when you're letting go of your own rigid expectations of what God's going to do. And he no longer has to bend or even at some points break your will. But instead, you're pliable. How much more expedient and effective can your obedience be and resulting in the will of God whenever God has timed it to happen? I and mean, many of you guys are, are in this room because somebody was joyfully flexible in an unpredicted moment where their lives demonstrated the reality of the gospel to you. Their speech was seasoned with salt, that eternal covenant that gives life. And you're sitting here today, an integral part of this church family. Because somebody just had a nudge or prompting an inconvenience that they didn't see as an obstacle, but they saw it as an opportunity for the glory cloud to lead them to the next event that would produce life. In this daily expectation of being joyfully uh, led by his presence, we have a slide for you. You guys will remember some of this before. This is the encampment of Israel around the Ark of the Covenant and the mobile tabernacle. Each tribe had their assigned uh, position, east, south, west, and north. In all 12 tribes' positioning, well, as they're dwelling in their station spot, whenever the cloud would begin to lift and move, and then you would have silver trumpets that were sounded, there was an exact order in which God has prescribed in stages for them to break camp, and then once they arrived at the next destination, for them to set up camp. Can I say that God has his works foreordained and pre-planned for every single person sitting in this room? And that what looks like one ordained work for one family may not look identical for the other family, but as we all stay within the assignment and the stage that God has put us in, we can assure that his presence is going to bring about his fruitful work of ministry on earth? Absolutely. Well, that idea and attitude of being joyfully flexible, when you're looking at the encampment of the people around the Ark of the Covenant, it makes me think of Psalm 42.4. It says, "These, these things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of God, or to the presence of God, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Having God's presence leading you in your midst, and you are following and benefiting from it. That means that you are never without supernatural help from heaven. Never. And the right attitude that begins to set your expectations right is to have a joyful, thanksgiving, exuberant shout that begins to lift up out of your soul. You remember when we were covering all those unplanned events of wallets, keys, phone, and stones? In those moments, whenever frustration and anger, and whatever else comes along with it, try to derail you from the expectation of the supernatural. This is what you do. You do Psalm 42.4. You pour out your soul, and then you begin to turn your soul towards the attitude of a shout of joy. we're, We're catching. You're right, Tom. You're exactly right. It's not just the joy, and I know for some of us it starts with having to pry the corners of our mouth towards our cheekbones. And it takes all force of hydraulic, you know, pounds per square inch to get that done. But trust us, trust the word. You begin to move your heart towards the cloud of his presence, and the force of heaven will lift up your mouth and lift up your soul. And the command is to have a shout of joy. Come yeah! The command is to
1: have a shout of joy. Yeah! Natalie, can you put the slide back up on the screen for a second? Did anybody notice in what configuration the people of God camped in? What's at the center of the cross? The very presence of God. Now, we don't have enough time. So we're just going to tease you. If you'd like to buy, Pastor Matt, a nice cigar. And bourbon. (laughs) Bourbon, whiskey. Buy me some coffee. Then we can go over with you what I'm reminded of as I look at this. I'm reminded that God is enthroned upon his people. See, we could talk about in Exodus 28 when the actual garments of the priest had the names of the, of the children of Israel in this exact formation on their chest with the Urim and the Thummim right in the middle. See, we could talk about Numbers 2 and how this arrangement is declaring the glory of God, and you will see things that in the priestly garments in this arrangement— that you'll see in Ezekiel 1 with the four living creatures that are the throne of God. We'll go to Revelation 4, and you can see those same creatures. We'll even talk about the Gospels in the Newer Testament to see those same faces that are exemplified in each one of the Gospels. I mean, we could talk to you about a lot of this, but what we want to do is tell you that God is enthroned upon his people. So when he wants his throne to move, you know what's going to happen? His throne is going to move exactly where he wants it to. See, that takes away this idea that you had a mistake in your day. Some people may have even forgot a bag, and it caused the right kind of timing for the Phillips family to have their baby rescued at the hospital. Wow, that was an unusual. No, that's exactly what our God does. Instead of us getting frustrated, how about we look at the cloud and go, God, were you trying to just move me and I wasn't listening before? Yes. The answer to that is Yes. Because he's a good father and he's leading us. He is enthroned upon his people. Numbers 9, chapter 9. Look at verse 17 again. Whenever the cloud, somebody say whenever. Yes. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent. Means the people didn't get to the plan it. They just had to respond to the cloud of God moving. After that, the people of Israel set out. Somebody say set out. Yes. And in the place where they, the cloud settled down, there the people camped. So you understand what this means, right? There's a daily expectation that you're going to have to set out. You've just unpacked the U-Haul. You've just gotten everything unboxed. And here you are. And what you do every morning is you go outside and look and see if the cloud is starting to move. Every single day, you're looking to have God direct you. Because he is enthroned upon his people. And when he wants us to set out, he causes us to begin to set out. It is in that setting out process that many of the discipleship aspects, many things about the maturity of this body he's going to get improved upon. God is going to strengthen us, not before you set out, but as you're setting out. Don't we all want to have the knowledge before we go? Why? Because it takes away the faith that we need to just actually set out in the way that he said. Tell me where I'm going to go. Tell me all my stops. Tell me the problems that I might encounter so that I can be completely independent all by myself and not need any of you people. Actually, we don't just mean I don't need you. I really don't need you. Because he's the head and this is the body. So if I don't need you, then I don't need him. But that's not what we have here in this house. We have a Philemon 6 kind of house in this place. I pray that by the sharing of your faith. You know what that doesn't say? That doesn't say by the preaching of your faith. By the teaching about your faith. This says the sharing of your faith. That you may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us. Somebody say it's in us. God has entrusted us with the mysteries of heaven. He's already put things inside of you. You already have what you need. What we have to do is have a joyful expectation that every single day we're probably going to set out. I'm going to be joyful about it. I'm not going to be surprised when it comes. I'm not going to get upset. I'm going to be like, yes, God is with me. See, you guys expect us to have that attitude, don't you? Of course you do. Okay, children, don't you expect to have your parents? They don't worry about how busy your day is. They're like, ah, I need you, Pastor. Uh, I need, I need to talk to you. I know you're kind. Of, yeah, I know you're probably busy. I know that the the cloud just moved, so I'm willing to set out on whatever it is. I'm joyful. Oh, we have 17 things to do today. Plus, you want to come over? Great. Answer's yes. Pastor Ken, yes. Why? Because we know that this is how we set out. As a matter of fact, let us show you this slide on the word for set out. Y'all ready for the word in Hebrew? Pronounce it for him, brother. Nasa. Everybody's like, Nasa! We're going to the moon! <laughs> there is another word that is pronounced Justin would be able to pronounce it better, but it sounds like Nasa as well, and it means to lift up. You mean there's movement that's involved in this word? Yes. This word is to journey, to depart, to set out. Somebody say to set out. Set out. See, this word is used about 150 times in the Older Testament, and two-thirds of those times are used in the book of Numbers. In the book of Bamidbar, telling about them on their journey and the stages that are going on. This word has an interesting root concept. You see in the second paragraph, this word has the basic meaning of pulling up tent pegs. So this has to do with, when you are going to set out for what God has, here's what it has to do with. You unrooting. Uprooting, dislodging, and pulling up tent pegs that have you bound to the square footage that you're in. If you're going to take exactly what you've been given, exactly what you have in your home, exactly what you have in your family, and be able to move as God said, you know what you're going to have to do with some things? You're going to have to pull up some tent pegs. Oh, pastor, I, I mean, I, I don't have tent pegs. I just am completely immovable in this part of my life. I, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> it's time to help. Nassau. When you set out, you're doing so with what God has already given you. If you were in the military and you, had to, you knew you had to move every six months, what would your house look like?
0: Trim down.
1: <laughs> I was well, about to say, well, you know, how many well played, Jen Stevens.
0: <laughs> how many of you guys have done a little bit of primitive camping? And, or maybe traveled in a travel trailer for quite some time, you get really tired of carrying around things that you never use and take up space. Or if you move from house to house every year or so, some point in your life, aren't there boxes that are in your closet in your attic that you promise that you're going to open up and use,
1: but you never do over the course of 10 years? Has anybody ever moved the same box of stuff from one house to the other one and you've never even opened it? In different places in the house, you never opened it. That's not NASA. That's not people expecting to have to move. So what do you do? You start trimming down the things that don't actually matter. I See, this is hard for some of you parents because you pack an entire tractor trailer full to get little precious baby. There's the bottles and the bags and the sleepy things and the cribs and the extra toys and the munchy munches and the... Is that not the official name? of them? (laughs) That's a brand I haven't heard of. (laughs) That's what happens when you go unscripted here. The idea of Nassai is that you're pushing away everything else that doesn't actually matter. The problem is, is until you start to set out, you think things matter when they don't really matter. You think that box that you really wanted to keep, that you just keep moving from house to house and never. No, I'm going to use it one day. No, you're not. These clothes that I can't fit in, I will want. No, you're not. I'm trying. <laughs> Despair. Pull up your tent pegs and go where God has you going. Come on, take a look back at Numbers 9.
0: So as we go to Numbers 9, you guys heard the word on New Year's Eve that we're, we're getting the concept of the implementing setting out. How many of you guys from that moment, New Year's Eve night, made it an intentional practice every day since to set out on a mission and aware of God's moving of his presence? Yeah. For those of you guys who raised your hands, did you come into conflict with your own predetermined expectations as you did? But wait, I was expecting that to happen at a later time this day. I already have something planned at 3 o'clock. Well, realize that this whole time prior to New Year's Eve this year, God has been training us to know how to set a table. And that's a constant dwelling in his presence to have something to actually set out with to bring out there what we've been practicing in here. Verse 18 of Numbers 9. At the command. Say at the command. At the command. At the command, at the command of the Lord, the people of Israel set out and at the command of the Lord they camped as long as the cloud rested over the tabernacle they remained in camp even when the cloud continued over the tabernacle many days the people of Israel kept the charge of the Lord and did not set out sometimes the cloud was a few days over the tabernacle and according to the command of the Lord they remained in camp then according to the command of the Lord they set out You guys recognize the number of times it says, at the command of the Lord. This is paying constant attention to what you're getting in his presence out of his word. Why is it that we need our daily bread? It's because from our daily bread, we get our daily direction of what to do. What was right in one event and endeavor on a single day may not be the direction for the next day. Because daily we're setting out with what God has given us in his presence. Oh, no, it's kind of like what 2 Peter 1 says, starting verse 3. I'll read it to you. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Does this does scripture apply to you guys? Yeah. Do you really trust and believe that his divine power has granted to you everything you need for life and godliness? Through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great, great, sorry, great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. So, as partakers of His divine nature, we're constantly supplied with divine direction and coming from His presence. But there's something more that we want to add to what is done with that direction.
1: Take a look at verse 21 in Numbers 9. And sometimes the cloud remained from evening until morning. And when the cloud lifted in the morning, they set out. You guys understand what that means, right? The cloud moved. They unpacked. It was in the evening. The morning, it took off again, so they had to pack everything back up. Or if it continued for a day and a night, when the cloud lifted, they set out. Verse 22, whether it was two days or a month, for a longer time that the cloud continued over the tabernacle abiding there. The people of Israel remained in camp and did not set out when it lifted. But when it lifted, they set out. At the command of the Lord, they camped. And at the command of the Lord, they set out. They kept the charge of the Lord at the command of the Lord by Moses. So here's what they're learning through the process. You guys all admitted, yes, I believe Second Peter 1, his divine power has given me everything that I need for life and godliness. But how do we really actually experience that? Let me not talk about someone else. Let me talk about me. Can I tell you that when I have a very, very busy schedule, that I'm worried that I won't have enough for you guys when we get here on a Thursday night, that I won't have the right thing to say, that I didn't prepare enough, that I'm worried about these things, except for the fact that everything that he's doing in my life is exactly what you need because it's what I need. There's no separation between us, so if he's speaking to me about something, if he's speaking to Pastor Matt about something, it will be what you need. So I both know that his divine power has given me everything, but only in setting out do I actually learn that and cause it to not have anxiety, which is just a really, really weak way to say, I am faithless that God will help me, that he'll lead me again that he's leading me, but then I won't have what I need. See, God leads us daily. He's gonna empower you daily. He's gonna provide for you daily. We know that conceptually, but in this process of setting out, we begin to learn that in a different kind of way. It's through the process of setting out that God's people learn to expect his presence to lead them. Not your own thoughts, not your own calendar. We expect the presence of God to lead us. In what? In the timings of what you do. In the timings of what you do. This should take me about 45 minutes, then I'll do this. So I'm the only one that does that. No. Except there's complications, and you get 47 interruptions, but the interruptions are somebody who needs prayer. Is that an interruption? No. Well, it is. But we're pretty joyful about it because yes. we're trusting that God is determining the timing, not you. I know that this is good. I, this is this is practical. Are you all feeling how practical this is? You should be thinking of the things that you said and felt today because it's God who determines the timing because he's allowed to because he's the boss. It's through setting out that people learn to expect. The people of God were learning to expect God's presence to empower them. Hey, I didn't study for 17 hours, but God gives me the right word in the right moment. Actually, it's exactly what Jesus Christ says in the Newer Testament. Don't worry about what you're going to say. You can stand before a king. You could be about to be thrown in jail, and you don't have to practice what you're going to say ahead of time. All those dumb imaginary conversations that you waste your time on. He said, and then I say, and then I'll. Or you could just trust God will empower you in the moment to give you exactly what you need. That the same Holy Spirit who's teaching you something will also remind it of you, remind it to you And what it says in John 14. is through this setting out that they're learning to expect God's presence to provide for them. Do you realize that if you're in a group of 3 million people, like the children of Israel, and you begin to move out, do you realize that you have to figure out where you're going to have water the next time? Because it's not like you can go to the store. You're in the desert. How are my children going to eat? How are my livestock going to eat? Where are we we going to go? But what they learned is that everywhere that God led them was the exact place that they needed to be, and all the provision was waiting on them there. Yeah, okay. See, they kept the charge of the Lord. They literally shamarred the mishmerit, for those of you who understand more Hebrew words. They guarded the mission. They guarded the charge of the Lord. This is because they had been entrusted with a good deposit. They had been entrusted with the things of God. See, church, but the cloud moving isn't the only thing that happened. We go to Numbers chapter 10, and we, hear, we start hearing the trumpets that need to blow. We start hearing the sound of the silver trumpets that have to accompany. So the cloud of God had to begin to move. People had to recognize that it wasn't just one guy. It was a collective team of leaders that saw it and began to have the priest to make the sound on the trumpets. That's what Numbers 10 says. Lord spoke to Moses saying, make two silver trumpets of hammered work. You shall make them. You shall use them for summoning the congregation and for breaking camp, for setting out. Let's take a look at Numbers chapter 10 and verse 5.
0: Are you guys there? When you blow an alarm, the camps that are on the east side shall set out. And when you blow an alarm the second time, the camps that that are on the south side shall set out. An alarm is to be blown whenever they are to set out. So this word alarm is the Hebrew word teruah. And teruah can mean battle cry, war cry, or get this, you may be familiar with a previous passage, a shout of joy. A shout of joy. There we go. So when you have your expectations set on setting out, you're excited to hear the alarm. You're excited to hear the teruah. It's that call that says, now is the time to begin to pull up those tent pegs and get everything in order and ready because God is about to do something. So the first alarm was for the tribes on the east side, then the south. You should have a shout of joy when the alarm is being sounded and someone else gets to set on a mission. Right? Because we're taking this outside the perspective of just us. When you hear the voice of God calling for a shout of joy, rejoice more in the way that God is putting your brother and your sister around you on a mission. When God has set them up to be able to, to go set out. When rejoicing over each other's mission, you know what that does? That actually causes the oil of joy to flow even more on our heads and in our souls. And we can see the mission of God accomplished in them and
1: know that we participated in it by being a support. Let's look at verse eight And the sons of Aaron, the priest shall blow the trumpets. The trumpet shall be shall be to you for a perpetual statute throughout your generations. What we're starting to talk to you about tonight is not a one time event. It's the perpetual state of expectancy that you're supposed to have. You're supposed to be watching for the cloud and listening for the confirmation of the sound of the trumpets as you begin to then set out in order. The expectancy of daily, joyfully setting out has to become a perpetual statute in each one of us. Every single day. It also has to be ingrained and instilled in our children so that they learn to expect it. Not just us what we say, but they watch you. Just like you watch us as pastors. You see if we get upset if we get interrupted. No, this is part of the joyful daily moving of the Spirit of God. This is what we all must ingrain in each one of our kids, in each of our generations, so that we all have the expectancy that our time is in ours, our schedule is in ours, our day is in ours, our resources in ours, our power is in ours. It is all from what the Lord does as He's leading us and as we set out. So we hear, I'm sorry, we see the cloud move. And we hear the trumpet, and then we begin to move. Now, all of this has just been in the instructions. <laughs> you want to see what it looks like for them to actually set out? Here we go. In Numbers chapter 10, and let's look at verse 11. In the second year, in the
0: second month, on the 20th day of the month, the cloud lifted from over the tabernacle of the testimony. And the people of Israel set out by stages from the wilderness of Sinai. And the clouds settled down in the wilderness of Paran. They set out for the first time at the command of the Lord by Moses. So you guys will remember from New Year's Eve night, we covered this. And that there's one singular journey, but there are many stages along that journey. And the way that God does this is that he sets us out in experiencing these stages. So how many singles do we have in our house tonight? Over here, Hayes says. Oh. All right. In case you didn't know, Andrew Hayes is single. Most eligible bachelor of LCM. You guys are in a specific stage. Is there anything you can do in your own power and might to advance yourself to the next stage? You've tried, right? Okay. Okay. Well, the same goes with every other development of maturing in the kingdom is that we, we walk by the command of our God, giving us direction of the stages and when to pull up our tent pegs and move on to that next stage. But realize it's that command that is found by dwelling in his presence.
1: Take a look at how the tribe set out. We want you to see something here that I think is beautiful. Here's a slide that we have for you. As the tribes are setting out, first the tribes. So the trumpets would sound an alarm, a terua, a war cry, a shout for joy. And the tribes on the east led by Judah would, would begin to move out. So they saw the cloud move, they began to pack, to pull up the tent stakes, and as they were setting out, as they were moving forward, they moved forward at the command of the trumpets, and first it was, it was Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, then the tribes on the south, then on the west, then on the north. Does anybody see something that's missing on the 12 tribes that are listed there? Where is the tabernacle? The whole point of them eventually landing where they're supposed to is that they follow exactly what the presence of the Lord is and they encamp themselves. They make their life around the centerpiece of God's presence. So take a look at this next slide and you'll be able to see it. So the Gershonites who were responsible for taking care of the frames, uh, I'm sorry, of the, of the tent coverings, they were sent out. Marari, those... Uh, Levites that were there and they came and those two were sent ahead of the Kohathites who brought the holy, sacred items. Now think about it. God has all this worked out. They, the Gershonites and Morites, had to go forward, set the right things in place so that when the Kohathites came with the holy things, they're not just standing there. Do you guys realize that God has an order to what he's doing? there's the trumpet. Everybody just go. Yeah, but don't you want that to be what God does in your life with us? I'm ready. I'm ready. 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 Let's go. We're all good. No, we're all moving. We're all going to go together, but there is an order. And so what you do is you watch and then you listen for the trumpet and you begin to move out in a prescribed order. You set out exactly the way that God has it. The Gershonites and Merarites set up everything, and then the Kohathites, by the time they're there, they walk straight in, carrying the ark of God's presence, carrying the lampstand, carrying the table of showbread, and they are able to set the holy things exactly in place, catch this, exactly the way it was originally when Moses set it up. Ah. It is our job not to just set out and do what we want, but to set out and bring what we've already been given and set it up exactly according to the pattern that God gave Moses. Exactly the same way that it was set up on the first day. Now we're in a different location, but you know what we do? We have the exact same tabernacle set up. What does this mean for us? As we are setting out, we've taken what we've been given and we walk into Walmart and we go, this is exactly what I do at home. Hello, sir. It's not a modified, adapted, abridged version. You bring exactly the presence of God with you because that's been your task and God has moved forward and told you to set out in the same way. You don't do anything different at the work site, or at the the store, or anywhere else than you already do at home. And that is the key to what God has given this house. There is no difference from us inside of our homes or standing on this stage. There's zero difference. Because we know how to set out. Guess what this entire family of believers is going to do this year? You're going to set out and bring the exact presence of God with you. Not a modified, watered-down version. You bring exactly what you have with you, and it brings glory to our God. You guys remember we talked about
0: keys, wallet, phone, and stones? In your daily activity, we're talking about local focus of setting out. God has already equipped you to set out with something in your pocket. Always have something in your pocket. Obviously, I'm not talking about the the necessary items to travel in a car. I'm talking about from his word. Always have a word in your back pocket and trust that what God gave you that morning is applicable throughout the remainder of your day. God has invested so much in each and every one of you. Teaching you how to open up your ear, your ear, and listen as one who is being discipled, to have a word that sustains the weary. Never set out from your home without something in your pocket from the word. This sets you up for something in Numbers ten, verse thirty-three. So they set out from the mount of the Lord, uh, mount of the Lord, three days' journey. And the ark of the covenant of the Lord went before them three days' journey to seek out a resting place for them. And the cloud of the Lord was over them by day whenever they set out from the camp. So the whole idea of setting out was their expectation. I mean, their expectation was not fixated on what they thought or where they thought it was going to land or the exact path of how they were going to get there. The only expectation they had was, at his command, we're going to set out. God would determine exactly what that resting place would be. What does this look like for us on a daily basis? It's that place of right shalom, right order with God and man. So coming back to the Walmart example, right? You're standing in line, and like, three or four of the self-checkouts just go to a red light because each customer has a serious problem with them. You're running late, and you're standing in line longer than usual. Or realize that at that moment is the moment that God's cloud may be resting on, probably is resting on, and He is ready to lead you. He is ready to empower you, and He's ready to provide for you in that very moment. It becomes less about what your resting place is, has been determined to be, and it's the, the, his desire for his cloud to rest on that moment because of something supernatural he wants to do through you.
1: Ministry is always about unplanned, unexpected moments. Ministry, oh, I don't mean from the stage. If you think that this is what we do primarily, then you just don't know us. This is a small percentage of what we do. I'm talking about the ministry to my family. I'm talking about when we're sitting around reading the word and I've gotten up and I've trusted that what the Lord has given me is what my wife and my daughter need. And we have what seems to be a tangent, but I know that there are no tangents. I know that God was leading that moment and giving us the exact scriptures needed to change my family forever. That happened to the Sutherlands this week. We're reading through the book of John. I know my daughter's studying it with Abby. We're we're doing it again as a family. And God is causing moments to come up because we're trusting. It's messing up my schedule. It's messing up the things I got to get done. Ministry is always that way. In your home, it's going to look the same. Look at verse 35. This is exciting. As we get ready to close. And whenever the ark set out, Moses said, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. And let those who hate you Flee before you. And when it rested, he said, return, O Lord, to the ten thousands of Israel. Do you hear how in both cases, whether he begins to set out or whether they're settling in in a moment, he's going, yes, God is at work. Arise, Lord. Here we go. We're moving. You're going to do something amazing. You are messing up my plans. Thank you, because you're the boss and I'm not. Arise, Lord. Do something special. What happens when this group of people starts getting excited about the things that start to contradict your own plans and your own expectations? What happens when your expectations are that God can direct you any good way he pleases and he will for those who are daily expecting to joyfully set out before him? Psalm 118 verse 15 says, Shouts of joy resound in the tents of the righteous. We're going to shout for joy. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. See, having an expectancy of setting out. Not you having an expectancy that we set out. But us having an expectancy that we set out. If that's our expectation, it causes there to be this, this joyful nature that comes along. And you're not destroyed every time something changes. You're actually excited about it. Every day literally becomes an adventure. Every day literally is like God is at work. I may feel like this is a normal day, but the God of the universe is leading me. I can see the cloud moving. I can hear the trumpet sounding. And I'm going to do it because my God is ready to start a fight. My God is ready to scatter those enemies. Moses says to say, Lord, rise up and smile upon them nicely. Arise, O Lord, and destroy the works of the enemy. Well, that sounds exactly like words in First John 3 about Jesus coming to destroy the works of the devil. See, God is a warrior, and this setting out process allows us to move and minister tenderly to someone that we see in a, in a Walmart or to absolutely annihilate the works of the enemy that are crushing someone's soul. Whatever is needed, our God will arise and bring his warrior-like nature into it. Are you guys glad that our God is a warrior? And Yahweh is his name.
0: Well, in light of God being a warrior and him giving the call for a teruah, a battle cry, a war cry, and a shout of joy, what happened in Israel's history served a purpose for future generations. And the way that it did that is that Numbers 33, don't turn there, Numbers 33 it gives an accounting of Moses writing down all of the events that happened to the nation of Israel since they originally set out from Egypt, like the very first Passover that occurred. And the way that it records it, it says that uh, they, they went out triumphantly in the sight of all the Egyptians. The Egyptians were burying their firstborn because of the last plague, But Israel set out with shouts of joy. And that has been the cornerstone that has set the example of how we all set out. It's with a shout of joy. In fact, we have a slide that summarizes three major points of how we're going to intentionally set out with this directive. We're going to expect to joyfully set out each day. That means every unexpected circumstance is going to be matched with a tarua, with a shout of joy. Thank you, God, for orchestrating and directing my day outside of what I thought. Secondly, expect to set out with what you receive from his presence each day. Your time spent with the Lord in his word puts something in your pocket that you will spend the rest of the day expecting that God is going to utilize through you. Third, expect his presence to lead you, empower you, and provide for you as you set out daily. No more fears of the what-ifs. No more concerns about, I'm not sure if this is going to work out if I step out in faith and do this. Is God's power, is his provision and leadership actually going to be there? The answer ahead of time is yes, absolutely yes. Church, let's stand to
1: your feet. This is the solution for us. This is what God has directed us to do. You should not only be able to see the cloud moving, but hear the trumpets that are sounding. To expect to joyfully set out every single day. To set out, to Nasa, to pull up those tent stakes to pull up those tent pegs of the things that you wanted to do and joyfully begin to move in the direction that he has for you. There's gonna be a lot, a lot of stages that are required. There's gonna be a lot of times that you're gonna to have to pull up those stakes. And what it does each and every time is when we start looking at our own heart and go, you know, I should be expecting to joyfully do this, and here I am frustrated again. Lord, cleanse my heart. You do not wait to get joyful. You tell yourself to be joyful and become joyful in the process. Well, I know the process of setting out is what is going to accomplish exactly what God has for us. We will get to the promised land, but we're going to have a lot of stages. We didn't have time to even tell you that the idea for stages, the word behind that is breaking camp. In other words, they measured their journey to the promised land by how many times they had to set out. We're going to expect to set out with what you have already received. There is enough that if you just go back and listen to old sermons, you've received something special here, much less what God is doing currently. You realize that it took a daily look for what was going on. You had to daily set your eyes on it and had to daily receive the right bread and water that you might travel set out in the way that God had. We're going to expect his presence. We're going to step away from the dominant fears that we have, that that we're not going to have enough, that we're not enough, that we can't do enough. All of that is getting thrown out the window in this house because we're going to expect that his presence is going to lead us and he's not going to lead you to the wrong place. He's not gonna leave you without power, and he's sure as heck not gonna leave you without provision. Raise your hands as we begin to pray.
0: So, look, as you pray, commit. Commit to intentionally set out with what God has given you on a daily basis. Make it a daily habit and a practice. And we're gonna see the power of God manifest as each one of you are intentionally setting out to see the lives and the souls of others in this room and outside of this room transformed, changed, just like yours has. Mighty God, I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for your word that you have given us and direction. Lord, I pray that right now that your spirit would breathe upon our souls breathe within our hearts and minds, Lord, and open our eyes to see your heavenly expectations. Lord, that we would commit our heart towards you by being committed to set out with your presence on our shoulders, with your word inside of us. Lord, I pray through these hands. These hands are raised right now. Lord, that these hands will be laid on the sick and they will be healed. Lord, that through these well, mouths and through the words that come through them. Lord, may lives be transformed and bondages that are age old be broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for your presence being on our shoulders. And right now, we begin to lift up a tarua, a shout of joy in your presence, mighty God.